in, in God's Word to Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, welcoming those visiting among us as we look at this passage on the occasion of the installation of elders and deacons. Hear now the word of God. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to us today by his Holy Spirit. This time of year, maybe you notice a lot of people wearing replica football jerseys. Maybe that's a sport you enjoy. Maybe you don't like it at all. Maybe others have a replica watch or a knockoff purse, or something like that. Well, Craig Troxell says, that's fine for those things, but who of us wants a fake relationship? None of us, right? And yet, when it comes to friendship, true love, we are looking for something real in a world that's full of the fake and the pretend. A social media world that's projecting this and the pressures of culture over here. Troxel says, when it comes to the church, people should see something different. The church is not a social club. It's not just an affiliation of people that have common interests. It's something that can only be produced supernaturally by the grace of God, through the gospel of God, and by the spirit of God. Where there's a real level of understanding. A love here that the spirit produces that is different. Not perfect. (laughs) We're not perfect, are we? But a care that's unlike anything else in the world. Those are some of the things that we confess the Bible to teach about the communion of the saints. That we as Christians are called to exercise mutual love and service. To forgive, forbear, comfort, greet, Greet, acknowledge, encourage, welcome. Jesus says, by this the world will know that you are my disciples. How? By your love for one another. Here it is that we should find, as a visitor, kindness and forbearance. As a member, forgiveness 
and Christ-like love. That as those that have been crushed by the world, perhaps, in cruelty and ugliness, would see among us a unity that we have in Christ and with each other. In the graces and gifts of Jesus, and we share in the graces and gifts of one another. Christ is the head, we are the body. What does that mean for us Emmaus Road? First, our connection to each other. Paul is telling us in chapter 12, in light of who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you, therefore now, in particular here today in relation to the church, this then is how we live and love among each other together. What is the church? The Westminster Confession rightly says, the church comprises the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head. So worldwide, all throughout history, every tribe, tongue, and nation, some of whom are already in glory. That's called the the invisible church. There is also the visible church, the body of the faithful throughout the world and throughout all of time who outwardly profess faith with their children. How, then, does the invisible church take seriously the commands of Christ? The answer is in the visible church, meaning you read the first century documents after the New Testament was written and the New Testament itself, what do you see? Churches being planted as disciples are made, as the gospel goes forth, as elders and deacons and pastors are called to serve. That's what the letters are about, isn't it, loved ones? To Ephesus and to Corinth and to Rome. Church members in individual churches. The three marks of the true church are not buildings, bodies, and budgets. They are the pure preaching of the gospel, the pure administration of the sacraments, the proper exercise of church discipline with the goal of restoration and repentance. Christianity is not individualistic. When you are saved, you are saved into a family, loved ones, into a church. That's what the church is, the family of God. When we confess our faith publicly, we do so together. When we take the Lord's Supper, It is together. When we come to worship, we're not alone. We're together. The church is one throughout all of history, united in Christ, the foundation of the covenant of grace and God's work for us in Jesus. The church is not just one denomination. Every tribe, tongue, and people confessing the true gospel. This includes the church triumphant. Sometimes we struggle to come to church. It's cold. Our hearts are cold. One thing that can encourage us is to be reminded that we are joining with the angels and the church in glory right now as we worship by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many have been hurt by the church and many have hurt others in the church. We are both sinners and we are sinned against. Some perhaps of you have come from places where the church has not treated you or loved you or preached to you the gospel as the church should. There's a real ministry to those who have been 
as one person says, traumatized, disenfranchised, and horribly sinned against. If that's you, we don't take those things lightly. We are not a perfect church, but we want to minister to you with the gospel of grace that we have received in Christ. We want to hear and cry with you and and point you to Christ, our Savior. When we talk of the visible church, the metaphors that are given, sheep in a flock, stones in a temple, branches in a vine, all those things, right? They're focused on Christ the head, Christ the owner. There is only one prophet, priest, and king of every person and every family in the church, and that is Jesus, the only one. But when you think of these metaphors, one sheep doesn't make a flock, does it? One brick doesn't make a building. One individual doesn't make a family alone. The church is about our relationship to the gathered body right here around you today. Alistair Begg tells a story a number of years ago. He goes golfing with three friends. All of them professed faith in Christ. None of them were professing members of a church. That might be you today. Maybe you're just visiting Maybe, again, you're coming out of a very difficult situation. We want to show patience and love, but talk to you about the importance of uniting together in membership. At Alistair Begg's church a number of years ago, not his church, Christ Church, but where he's the pastor, over 4,000 people, among those numbers, do you know what he said? We're professing members, actually, of that church. About a third. Church membership is good for us. It connects us with one another. And it's like a family, as Alistair Begg says. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, right? The same in the body of Christ. It helps us grow in grace together. Thanksgiving dinner, he says, comes around. Okay, Aunt Mabel's going to show up again from North Dakota. She talks way too much, and everyone knows it. Uncle Leonard usually doesn't come, but... This year he's there and he's morose. Trying to get a smile out of Uncle Leonard is like getting blood out of a stone. Frida. Nobody knows who Frida is, but she exaggerates dreadfully. And then Tommy's there. He sees the glass half empty. But you know what, Alistair Beck says? They are family. And therefore, we love each other. We bear with each other. The same is true in the church, loved ones. Why? Because we are members one of another. We can't say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I just want nothing to do with the church. Romans 12.5 says, we have a shared fellowship in Christ and with each other. One for all and all for one. That's what the three musketeers said. Membership in the church is not like Costco or a golf club. You kind of pay your dues, and you get together every once in a while and buy some bulk raisins and enjoy the golf club. No, it's not like that. To be a member of the church is to be a member of Christ's body, like your finger is a member of your body, kids. His blood runs through us. His spirit animates us. The body can't say, well, I'm a foot. I don't need the hand. Just get rid of the hand. 
How well is the foot going to do to make spaghetti? The hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. How is the body going to go to the store to buy spaghetti, right? That's the analogy in 1 Corinthians 12. There are many different parts, many members, and many things that threaten our unity. Alistair Begg again, the biggest pitfall in the church is what? What do you think he's going to say? Pride. Along with that, complacency, irritability, disunity, gossip, all the sins of our hearts that by nature we just grab onto, but Christ by his spirit puts to death in us. John talks about believers who are out of fellowship with God because they're out of fellowship with each other. Personality clash. I'm not going to talk to her. No way. Focusing on areas that are more minor theologically. I agree with you on all this, but I don't agree here, and I will not let it go, and I will not stop talking about it. Slanderous reports. I hear it, and I'm going to tell people. I'm not going to admit I'm wrong. No way. I'm writing you off. I will not reconcile. These are all examples of the flesh when I don't get my way. One man says, we don't really know a person's spiritual maturity until they don't get their way. That's true about pastors. All of us as office bearers, all of us. True in life. You learn more about a person when you say no to them than when you say yes. We all know that. Are there people you avoid here, loved ones, simply because you find them difficult to relate to? A commitment to love says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Approaching that person says, we are fellow heirs with Christ. We saw that last week in Romans 8. I want to treat you as a beloved brother and sister in the Lord. That changes life together. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. This vitality comes from our union with Jesus. We have been loved. We have been forgiven. The one who has been forgiven much loves much. God has loved you with an infinite love in Christ. Now he gives you grace to go to that person that you really don't want to talk to or you might have an issue with or maybe you've never talked to and you just don't know. God creates this fellowship. We just sang about it. It comes down in many ways to how we think. Do you see what Paul says? In the original, he says in verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think with wise thought. He keeps using that word. Think, think, think. It's related to what we saw a few weeks ago, the mind of the Spirit. So he's saying, how do you think about yourself? Isn't that an important question to ask in this day? The way we think of ourselves is seen to others. We don't really know it because we're often not aware. But the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we look at someone, our physical countenance, our expressions, our interactions. What do you think of yourself, Emmaus Road? Don't think of yourself as a worm, as a maggot, as worthless, as rotten and awful. That's not how God thinks of you. That's not how we think of you. God made you in his image. Everyone, you have value and honor and dignity. 
We are fallen in sin in Adam, but in Christ we're no longer dead in sin, even as indwelling sin still lives in us. God loves you. He sees you when you suffer. He sees you when you sin. In Christ, he comes closer to you when you sin, and he brings you into union with Christ in a more deep fellowship, intimate way by his spirit. He makes you more like Jesus, and your identity is as one in Christ. In Road, your identity is not sinner first. It is in Christ who continues to struggle with sin, but I'm in Jesus. That changes how we treat each other. How do we think? Don't be wise in your own eyes, the Proverbs say. That's foolish. Think with sober analysis, realizing, you know what? I need to be realistic of my limitations. That's what he's getting at here. Instead of pride, what should mark our thinking? Patience and love. Paul says in Romans 12, 9, genuine love, not theatrical, sincere, leads to action. Not blind sentiment, discerning love, love that hates what is evil. Beloved, the last few years have challenged and tested our love for each other as a church. Liam Gallagher says that. It's true everywhere. The challenges of the culture. It's tested our fellowship. Coming out of this, will we find that we want to be more engaged with each other, more of a family together, more hospitable, and have greater fellowship? That's a question to ask. Fellowship, you think, that's a cliched church word. It is. What does it mean? Alistair Begg says, in the ancient days of classical Greek, the word fellowship is used of individuals in business committed to each other to share in the risks and the profits. It's used in marriage to talk of a husband and wife committed to each other to share everything. And the same word is used in the church. What's the picture? Generous sharing. Not selfish grabbing. The apostles devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It means we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And it means our time, our life, our gifts are not our own. Secondly, the communion of the saints in our gifts now to serve. Paul says in verse 6, Each of you has received a gift. The word for gift is closely related to the word for grace. You've received grace from God. You've received a gift to use to serve, to edify, to build one another up as you are members, one in Christ together. The gift didn't come from you or me. It's a spiritual gift. It came from God. It's distributed to his people. The word for gift, actually, in the Greek is charisma. As one man says, being charismatic means being indwelt by and gifted through the Holy Spirit for ministry to each other. That's what the word means. Every one of you has a spiritual gift to benefit each other. From the youngest of you kids 
to the oldest of the saints. God has a way for every believer in the family of God to serve. It might be big or small, seen or unseen. We are stewards of the gift, 1 Peter 4. That means we're to take care of it. We're to use it for the good of others. Not just generically, but right here, around you. The person behind you and in front of you. Next to you and across from you. Those are the ones that God has called you to love and serve with the gifts God has given. Right here. For mutual edification. Do you remember the parable of the talents? The first two received the talent. They used it well. Well done, good and faithful servant. The last one didn't. Jesus says he was wicked and lazy. We are to share the gift, not hoard it, not neglect it. Here's one man's quote. Have you heard of this? I'm sure you have. The 1090 church. Have you heard of that? 10% of the people do 90% of the service and work. That's not true among us by the grace of God. But our goal by the grace of God, do you know what it is here? 100-100. 100% of the family of God, that's who we are, doing 100% of the service and ministry and work among us. We don't want any non-functioning body parts at Emmaus Road. And again, it's not just visible. This is not about public stuff only at all. We don't want a consumer mentality where someone might come once in a while on a Sunday and then just go and there's no, no connection there. Again, if you're a visitor, don't hear me coming down hard on a visitor. I'm not coming down hard on any of us. If you're just kind of checking out churches, this is what we're about here. The gifts are from Christ. The motivation is not guilt, but love. We have received such love from God. We have received a gift, not a wage. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ. We serve how, Peter says, not by your own strength. Because naturally we say, I'm not going to do it or I can't do it. It's not fleshly determination. It's strength that the Spirit supplies you with. We can't do it on our own. We don't want to do it on our own. But God gives you the strength. The gifts are varied. You're members one of another, but we don't all have the same function. You are a spiritual snowflake. Everyone gifted in different ways. The sum is greater than the parts. And here's how this is important, as John Fesco says. Some engage in gift projection. I love this, this way to serve this particular ministry, and they're a gift to the church in that. But gift projection is when I project onto you that you need to feel the same way I feel about the way I'm serving. That's dangerous, isn't it? And it's not biblical. Why? Because God hasn't given all of us the same gifts or interests or abilities. Thanks be to God, he hasn't. We're all different. How boring would it be if we were the same? We have communion in each other's gifts and graces. But when we project, multiply it by 10 or 20, 
You've got all these projections going on, all sorts of people upset that this person doesn't love what I love and isn't doing what I'm doing, and it can just become muddled. And it can become sometimes worse than that. We are to be sober about our gifts. No one person has all the gifts. I need you, and you need the person next to you. And that person next to you needs you. Every one of us. We sojourn as pilgrims to glory together. Paul mentions just some of the gifts here. There are many others, and this is not exhaustive. But one is leadership. Paul says, if you lead men in particular and elders and deacons and pastors, lead with eagerness and diligence. You need zeal because the task is often exhausting, often thankless. You need focus so you're not sidetracked. You need to remember we are to be faithful to God, elders and deacons, all of us as well as those who have been taking a break now. We're to be faithful to God first, not people pleasers. The congregation, we need to be aware of two things here with the leaders God has given us. One is pride. I don't need them. They don't know anything anyway. We are weak. These guys are just, I I don't want to even talk to them. Just get me away. That's one danger, right? I don't need the church at all, actually. That's one. The other danger, don't make the elder or deacon or pastor just below Jesus in your expectation. We are not Christ. We are sinners saved by grace. Don't think every problem I have or preference I have can be solved by these guys. Don't think that. Nobody has all the gifts. No one elder, pastor, or deacon, or any person. Don't jump on every fault. We'll mess up. But we're not beyond correction. Come to us. Give us feedback. When we mess up, say, hey, what was going on there? We want to be approachable. We want to be humble because we need Christ just like you do. Pray for us. And as we want to encourage you and visit you and love you, we pray that you might, and I know you do, but do the same. Maybe this week, one of the elders or deacons, you, you call up and you just say, I, I want to just take you out for coffee, or, and I don't want to complain about something. <laughs> Not that you do, but you know what? It's, sometimes you get a call and you think, okay, now what? <laughs> for all of us in all of our lives. Just a way to encourage. Put wind in their sails. It's good. It's good for the whole body. Paul mentions prophecy. We're not going to get into that today. We can talk more later. But he's basically saying, okay, Old Testament apostles speak with God's authority. Uh, Prophets, New Testament apostles speak with God's authority. The word is God's authority now. The authoritative word. As the pastor preaches the word, he's to bring a meal for God's people, and we're to come hungry. And the Spirit, we pray, blesses it. The pastor is not above anyone. Don't think that. The pastor is not to consider himself, but to love the flock. One man said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. That's about right, actually. Paul mentions teaching. Elders teach, yes. 
But so many of you are teaching. In Sunday school, you're loving the kids. The ladies are teaching the ladies, and they're growing in the grace and love of Christ. These are wise, godly women. We love them. You are teaching your children. That's a great privilege. Not every gift here he's talking about is public. All of us, as we think about teaching, should be able to explain the gospel to someone, the law and the gospel, to share what Christ has done for us as we want to be focused on the nations. God, bring disciples to us and building up the church in love and grace. He mentioned service, giving, mercy. Not just deacons here. Yes, the deacons are called to the office of service. But think about giving. Time and treasure. Congregation at Emmaus, you are generous. God is glorified in your generous giving of time and treasure. Cheerfully, not begrudgingly. Showing mercy. He says, it's easy to show mercy and say, well, I'll help you, but why are you needy? I'll help you, but didn't I warn you about this? We are to show mercy, not resentfully, but cheerfully. Those who are sick, those who are poor, those who are suffering. The deacons organize and lead and promote this. They are to be ministers of mercy so that we as a congregation will follow their lead as pace setters, as the pastor, elders, and deacons are setting this pace before us, and that we will grow in these areas. Church committees, all of us using our gifts to serve, and so many of you are. Areas of administration, we thank God for those who are good with that. Technology, so that we have sound and lights and those who are shut in can hear and be a part of the service. There's so many areas. The Spirit's gifts are living movements of Christ's body. So when one Christian serves another, that's the Holy Spirit working among us. When one Christian shows mercy to another, that's the Holy Spirit at work. Romans 8 says, or 12 verse 8 says, exhorts, encouragement. This reminds us of how important it is to encourage, exhort, and behind-the-scenes gifts. William Carey was a missionary to India. The whole time he was there, do you know what his sister was doing? Praying for him. One of you mentioned that yesterday at the men's gathering praying for one another as we are sharing the gospel. Visiting someone. When you visit someone, that is the gift of Christ to that person. Writing a note, writing an email, giving someone a ride, hospitality, welcoming a new member and looking around, talking to someone who is down and discouraged and lonely and distressed and reaching out to them in person or through another way to communicate Spending time together. How do we serve? Paul says we are to serve well. Contributors are generous. Leaders are to be zealous. The merciful are cheerful. We need God's grace. (laughs) We need the mercy of God to repent and to look again to Christ for sacrificial service. What does that mean? My gifts are not mine. 
My time is not mine. My money is not mine. For all of us, it's Christ's. Every interaction we have is his gift. Think in terms of listening. Some of you are such good listeners. One way God humbles us and produces the fruit of humility in us is as you listen to someone, you don't filter what they're saying through our categories. This is how pride works. Pride tends to the gradual tuning out of everything external to me. Humility is the opposite. Sharpening my attention to the vividness of those around me, the perspectives and thoughts of others, and a part of our life together as we listen, as we care, as we pour into each other. God's Spirit gives grace because by ourselves we don't want to listen. We are to develop and exercise the gifts that God's given. You might wonder, what is my gift? Well, how has God wired you, both naturally and supernaturally, what's he producing in you? So you're good with finances. You could be helping, and many of you are, with like the church budget or as a deacon. You're good with baking. That's not just random. That gift that you have, and many of you use this, is a blessing to others as they're maybe shut in or as they're having a new baby or all sorts of ways. People skills. You're really good with people. Encouraging, listening. As you grow older, kids, these gifts God has given to you develop. You might love music, and as you grow older, you may help like Kimberly does as an accompanist. What a wonderful thing. And Kari and Allison. You may, some of you boys, become an elder one day as some of these men are a deacon, as some of these men were installed today. Our gifts are not for private use. How do we discover them? Wise people notice them and say, well, you're really gifted here. Can I help you in this way? And people jump in to serve wherever needs are. And they're mobilized and gifted. It's not an introspective thing. We know how we are gifted often when we start serving. What hinders people in this way? Fear can. If so, the Holy Spirit helps us. Bad experiences in other places. We've talked about that. Busyness. There are different stages of life. There are different gifts. This is not a guilt trip. But perhaps for some of us, we may need to simplify our life and reprioritize some things to use our gifts. That's something that we can all ask. Is there something I can simplify here? There's a place for rest and renewal. Some of these office bearers are getting some rest. And we remember we're together in this. We're a family, and it's a team sport. Sanctification, not individual silos, but a communion of the saints, brothers and sisters in the Lord, as the body needs every part, so the body of Christ needs every member. How do these gifts come? Through Christ. He is the suffering servant. He poured himself out to death for us. He is risen. He is reigning. He has given his spirit to us. Emmaus Road, be encouraged today. 
Press on by faith today. The more we are renewed to be more like Christ, the more corporately, not just individually, corporately our gifts will bless one another. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.